Hi everyone, welcome to the East Tennessee and Pop Culture Podcast, where we talk about all things pop culture. My name is Michael. This is Kaylee. I'm Kaylee. And today we're going to be talking about romantic comedies, and specifically the tropes that you find within them. Um, this genre is, is, is uh, probably one of my favorites in a lot of ways, um, but it'll be interesting to kind of uh, uh, dissect them and, and look a little bit deeper at them as a rule, they don't really warrant very much deep conversation, but uh, it's a piece of art. And so within that, I believe uh, a, a deeper dive in, into the, well, the depths of the movies is warranted. Um, so anyway, let's jump right in. Okay. So um, like you said, you know, sometimes a lot of people, it doesn't really warrant a very deep thought provoking um, watch yeah. when you watch a romantic comedy it's mainly you know just for the romance and then they add a little bit of that comedy flair in there mm-hmm. uh, for some good laughs so um, we can go ahead and talk about some of the main tropes that you see in these um, comedies or rom-coms um, one thing that I think is interesting especially since it is partly comedy is that the um, main character tends to have a very self-deprecating you know, sense of humor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see that a lot, which this kind of goes into the whole um, unlikely to be able to find a true love. Um, uh-huh. They're just awkward, things like that. Yeah. Um, very self-deprecating in the fact that, you know, oh, I'm, I'm the way I am, you know, you're not <laughs> going to be able to find true love. Um, yeah. They tend to have bad luck in romance. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think that that this kind of uh, like um, this particular trope um, um, is a good one in a lot of ways. Uh, I think um, that we want to be able to relate to the main character in a, in a movie like this because we, um, the collective, we want wants to feel as though romance is there for us as well. You know, regardless of who we are, whether or not we're popular, like if we're kind of kind of dorky and ditzy, like the main characters in these movies often are. You know, we can watch them um, find, you know, a positive romantic experience in their lives and, you know, suddenly it becomes possible for us too. Um, right. I, th- I think that uh, that is is the motivation for this um, particular area, uh, making the main character uh, uh, not an incredibly... Sometimes, I mean, they're usually played by attractive people, but personality-wise, or or in different mannerisms of their life, they aren't the like the most popular or most attractive, um, because they relate to the everyman in that sense. Right, and I think um, that's something you see a lot in these movies because the reason it being is that they want it to be relatable to the audience, and you know, as ironic as that is, because of course, you know. A lot of this stuff is very cheesy. You don't <laughs> yeah. get a lot of reality mm-hmm. in aspects, but yeah. they want to try to make it relatable as possible. And, you know, like you said, they do usually use very attractive actresses, mm-hmm. um, very attractive actors, um, but they play them off in a way that their personality or their quirks are just kind of override that and makes it yeah. seem hard for them to, you know, find romance or find love. Mm-hmm. And I think the execution of that is it has good intentions, of course, because they want everyone to feel like that it's possible, like we said, to find love. But uh, 
what you the, what you just said how they usually use attractive actors and actresses it kind of i feel like it kind of defeats the purpose because right, <laughs> outside the yeah. movie we know this yeah. particular uh performer is a, a very attractive famous mm-hmm. celebrity so when you really look at it it's there's a good good intention and is good execution in trying to bring the audience in to feel you know kind of comforted in and feeling dorky and the possibility of of love but i don't think it's necessarily the only way to go about it because yeah. right. the reverse i've often i've often wondered about the reverse uh execution of what if you were to portray the protagonist as an attractive uh confident you know, uh maybe not so much a pl- of a player but someone that's kind of secure in their uh in their personality and identity because then you could kind of demonstrate i mean the, the other way is yeah we're kind of showing the everyman but this way showing someone attractive and confident um it could kind of help in a way of showing well this is what it looks like when you you know if you're confident in yourself and you kind of put your best foot forward and um yeah it may not work out exactly as love as people expect love to be but it you know Given the chance to show what it means to be confident, I think is a just as good of a, of a message to send too. Right, and I think you know I've wondered that as well, and I think the reason why they probably don't do that as of right now is because it doesn't seem as relatable, you know, to the audience. And honestly, I guess it wouldn't make much for like this plot climax, you know, because. If they're confident and everything, you know, they have to always have some kind of problem or some kind of twist in these movies um, to make, you know, feel, make it heartfelt. Mm. But one, um, and I'm probably going to reference this movie a lot because it does fulfill some of these aspects, is the movie Hitch with Will Smith in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it has both sides of it. You know, it shows Kevin James, who is very frumpy, awkward, Albert Brenneman, you know. So it does show that, you know, not only is this person awkward, like, you know, just characteristically in, like, persona and their personality, but just, like, all around awkward as yeah. crap. Like, mm-hmm. that's why he's coming to Hitch. But on the other side, Will Smith's character is very, you know, attractive, very clean cut, very yeah. cool and smooth. And so it does show that confident side, but at the same time, it shows... Well, you know, you can still be confident and, you know, not get the girl kind of like, you know, you see him having to struggle to kind of find the love interest Mm -hmm. and, you know, win her over, so to speak. Mm -hmm. In either case, ultimately, it's it's the writers and the directors are providing the audience with someone to live through vicariously to show them uh, what romance could be. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about um, the again, you know, the re the realistic aspects of it um they're always seem they always seem to be attractive people and i think it's funny um when you see me and um Kaylin was talking about this in pre-production and it was the ugly betty to type of like to cinderella type montage yeah so uh-huh. you see this whole transformation and one thing that i can really think of is like the princess diaries with anne hathaway mm-hmm. she has bushy hair bushy eyebrows very awkward and then she goes into a prim properly you know um poised woman yeah i'll like um 
I, I think about um, my favorite rom-com actually is Crazy Stupid Love uh, with uh, Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. Um, and uh, there is also that scene in that movie too with, with the two guys, um, um, Steve Carell getting a, a big old makeover from Ryan Gosling, who's the, who's the, the hot, attractive one, obviously. Um, I like this scene, I think, <laughs> um, because... I mean, it's so prevalent and um, it just kind of speaks to almost this thing where like, you know, they'll they'll end up becoming more Cinderella-esque, but that's not kind of that's kind of like not who they are, you know. Um, And a lot of the times by the end of the movie, they are like, this isn't who I am. Like, I'm going to go back to being dumpy frumpy old right yeah and you see that. that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, you see that in um, Hitch and you see that in The Princess Diaries. Where it's almost like this coming of age, like, you know, I'm comfortable in my own skin type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you see that a lot. And this goes into another kind of um, trope is the, like, frumpy sidekick type thing. You know, you see the awkward, um, self-deprecating um, best friend or, you know, kind of gal pal. Or in some cases, it's the mother or the parent if you've watched... Um, Friends with Benefits, I think they play that off. Um, mm-hmm. Mila Kunis's character's mom is that kind of role fulfilled. Right. And I think there's an interesting, exec- the way they execute the the beginning of the, the protagonist's story of looking, of being kind of dorky. They usually, before they do the montage, it, they usually use physical cues to show their dorkiness, right? With, yeah. um, right. with glasses and you know the kind of stereotypical nerd gear, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of ironic because, like we were saying before, the performers are usually attractive people. Yeah, but mm-hmm. then all they d- really, all, if you if you really look at it, all they really do is to use those stereotypical nerd like fashion yeah. choices to make the attractive performer look mm-hmm. nerdy. <laughs> mess up their hair and they're wearing like a like a tweed sports jacket. Yeah, and, exactly. And Just Nike shoes like tennis <laughs> shoes like and, and it has nothing to do with how attractive they are actually um which i think is an interesting topic to talk about about how like you know are we really supposed to be believing that ryan gosling's character couldn't just get any girl that he wants and i mean he he does in that movie but but it, it it's kind of a of a like cyclical thing where like in basically any of these movies there's always going to be like well Steve Carell isn't an unattractive guy like I mean he right. may not be Ryan Gosling levels of hot but like right you, you know, know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I see exactly what you're talking about it's the believability you know because one thing um that I have to do a lot when I watch these movies is I'm like well how realistic is this really you know yeah. in actuality mm-hmm. would this person really have that hard of a time you know, or yeah. is this person really that, you know, that much of a hot mess, you know? Yeah. And and I think that probably gets gets uh in, into the the deeper levels of why um they're using these tropes obviously is um because they want us to be able to insert ourselves into these characters, I think. Um that like oh, I can be just as attractive as Steve Carell if I just fixed my hair and stopped wearing glasses and started wearing suits. Like that May or may not be true. Yeah, there's a lot um, more, I think, that goes into it. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. But, like, if we begin to think, why do tropes exist? It's, to me, it's because these stories 
um, not only does it fit into the genre in that way, but also these stories want to generalize the human experience into a more compact and storytellable format. And so every time you tell a rom-com, you're going to have the character that is, is, is dumpy and, and wants to find love. And you're going to have the character that's hot and wants to help out the guy. You know, you're going to have the love interest and you're going to have the, the uh, zany sidekick that, that tells all the jokes. Um, and that's because they're generalizing the human experience. Um, we can all relate to that on a perhaps super, superficial level. That's why these tropes exist to me. And why most tropes exist is because they are tried and true formulas of what do people, generally speaking, understand and feel for and is putting their butts in seats in a movie theater. So, I mean, uh, that doesn't mean they're always, you know, good at their job. Um, a lot of the tropes we've talked about doing this series have been largely unsuccessful in a lot of ways taking us out of the experience or, or, or making us realize that what we're watching is a movie and not a part of our lives. And in terms of storytelling and writing and directing, you're missing an opportunity there. Yeah, exactly. Instead of, you know, doing something creative and interesting, you're just going to slot the same character into the same hole. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, that character fits into that hole, yeah. you know, like it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, you know, not always a good thing either. Um, and I think that that might that may even be getting into the whole purpose of why we're doing this, you know, study through the genres is because what's working and what isn't. I think a good way to help is to bring personal experiences into into play, uh, especially mm. in this particular genre. It'd be it's fascinating to see, you know, what is someone's real experiences with romance and love. And then see them write it into a script and see it play out in a film or a TV show or even in a book. Yeah. But I think that's where we'll really find something a little bit more organic. Uh -huh. But yeah, I, yeah, it's some of these tropes. I feel like, yeah, they package the human experience and, and you're kind of missing out there. But yeah, one side of I think helps is that it does kind of help us orient ourselves with certain aspects of human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's what makes these things special, I think. But then also, human experience is always changing. And if you can't adapt to that, then it can become, begin to become antiquated and we begin to like, be able to point at these things and say, this particular trope doesn't make any sense. For example, the, the, you know, the, main, the main character or someone lies to the, to the other character in the relationship in these movies with good intentions but then once it all comes comes together, they're forgiven with ease. And like this trope is used to to easily create drama and then tie the loose ends up together and, and make it a happy ending. But that's not necessarily how it would work in real life. Because usually the, 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 the reason for the lie is so they can usually it, they, it plays out so they can get closer to the person that they're uh, attracted to. Yeah. But yeah, in real life, if someone catches you in your lie, uh -huh. <laughs> that's going to send some red flags because it's basically either one, uh, okay, you've been lying to me this entire time. What exactly kind of person are you? Yeah. And, and are you dangerous? And then two, at the very least, mm -hmm. it's going to say, well, you wanted 
to get closer to me and have an you have an attraction to me but if we start a relationship how do i know this kind of stuff won't continue right and i think that's it's so ironic because there's a lot of movies that do that you know they go into the relationship with this completely fake persona or this huge secret and it seems to miraculously work out you know and Mm -hmm. if it was me i'd be like "Mm, what else are you lying about you know like when they when they shed their pretty boy uh um you know sheepskin and then all of a sudden they're they're this other person and it's like in reality you'd have to learn who they actually are you know yeah. and like what's actually a lie but in this it's like oh great you know yeah. you're still you're still cute like you're still yeah, exactly. a famous actor like <laughs> and and you know you can kind of see this a little flipped on its head with, um, you know, not just necessarily a lie, but a huge misunderstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it, I guess, it, you know, I don't want to say it's like a small fib, but, you know, like something is not always as it seems or somebody's not necessarily lying, but they're not giving all the information. So, you know, you see that whole, I think it's a distrust and like, yeah. Uh, trust type thing which again is very ironic because the majority of the time the main character has trust issues mm-hmm. and so all of a sudden they're like oh you completely lied to me but guess what you know my trust issues are miraculously 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 gone you yeah, know absolutely it's funny too how they're like another version of that ex of that trope is where there's usually like a bet like she's all that yeah. That's how, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like Freddie exactly Prince Jr.'s character uh, makes a bet to uh, turn, basically, the, the girl he's he's attracted, the girl he they he needs to turn her into a, basically a prom prom queen material. Yeah. Uh, but then as he goes along, so he actually starts to fall in love with her. So it's kind of shows your character because as we as we were saying, usually they'll find out the lie or the deception at the end. And it usually in that in that kind of behavior speaks to your character, especially if you're talking about a bet that they'll say, "Well, you just approached me to have some sort of gain of reputation, or, right. or especially if it's money involved." Yeah, it's like you you basically kind of approached me shelf, selfishly. So, mm-hmm. and uh, you see that a lot. Um, one really classic one is 10 Things I Hate About You" with Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. and his character does exactly that, and. This goes into the whole other trope of, well, they never were meant to be falling in love in the first place. They're the most awkward couple you could ever find. You know, you don't pin them together. Yeah. And you see that a lot um, the whole time through the movie. They're fighting these feelings of attraction and they're like, you know, this there's nothing there. And yeah. then, you know, the climax is like, well, yes, there is. Mm hmm. I kind of yeah. wonder though if maybe that trope's a little, a little realistic, in the sense of people when we have crushes on someone, we make we have a tendency not to be so straightforward, because I know it's a thing where you'll ask a friend of that person what they think of you, or you'll ask your friend, yeah. ask their friend mm-hmm. what they think of you. Right. So, on, I wonder on some degree if we're kind of like that and how it plays out in the movies. It's just kind of showing maybe not directly or explicitly is, but it's kind of showing, yeah, that kind of looks re- kind of ridiculous to do that. Maybe you should just ask them straight up how they feel and 
yeah, you, you feel kind of awkward and nervous approaching a crush, but maybe being a little direct, not too direct, but yeah. honest and straightforward about the situation will clear up things and not make it so complicated. Yeah, that definitely is um, pretty realistic um, in a lot of ways. But on the other hand of that, I feel as though that genre works better for romance stories that are taking place in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where a lot of that sort of thing happens. Um, And I I still see people like, or I'm talking to, to a lot of people um, and like they'll be telling me things about like some, some guy that they're crushing on or some girl that they're crushing on. And I'm like, I would never say this to them, but it's like, you're sounding very high school right now. Um, right, yeah, and, and that—that's where a lot of that comes from, and in, in the context of the of of the romantic comedy itself, if the characters don't look like they're in high school, but they act like they are, like you know, a lot of, a lot of main characters in rom- in romantic comedies are older, even in their thirties, you yeah. know, um, you know, even pushing forty sometimes, depending on which movie you're talking about, and um. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that people of that age can't act that way, but should they? Yeah, <laughs> is yeah. really what you should be asking. Yourself. I see exactly what you're saying, and I was getting ready to say this is so high school, you know. Yeah. Like you always hear, oh well, do you think he likes me? Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, duh, hey, dude, do you think she might have a crush on me? Do you think she'd go out with me? You know, and. I do sometimes see those tendencies in people I know, but very rarely, you know, does it amount to anything. Usually it's just in short conversation. So I feel like that is something you do see a lot with like high school um, oriented movies. Yeah. Where, and like you said, it's really funny because a lot of times they are playing uh, 30 year old plus actors and actresses to play these like. 20 something and under characters and it's just yeah. it, it, it's almost you know again that whole realistic as, aspect of it you know is it really believable because if this was the case you know um, would they really be looking that way and you know you see this a lot in reverse um, they get um, kids who are older say like you know you get somebody who's 16 or the, the character is 16 years old and you get the actual actress who is, say, 18. And, you know, the whole purpose of that is, well, you know, physically, they're going to be, you know, more grown up. They're going to probably be a yeah. little bit more attractive. And mm-hmm. um, for that, that purpose is so, you know, the appeal to the audience, yeah. even though it's not very relatable. Yeah, um, and going back to basically the first trope that we talked about, which was how the the character is meant to be relatable to the everyman, like, and, and this even goes into like maybe a different genre with like literally teen movies, you know, like that's kind of a different thing entirely. But like, you know, uh, casting people of that age in those roles gives them gives the people of that age unrealistic standards for themselves where like you 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 go into a high school and and look at all the freshmen in that high school and they're going to look nothing like any of the people that you see on Nickelodeon or or right. you know yeah. um tv tv stations like that or romantic comedies 
but but they might not realize that and they're supposed to look like those people on on the on the movie screen right and that's kind of a <laughs> a bit of a dangerous game there yeah and this me. this is the part where i almost get a little bit um peeved about it because the point is you know is it supposed to be something relatable like if it's going to be you know con- continuity wise you want it to be as realistic as possible but you also want it to be able to appeal to the audience and you yeah. want them you know and dare i say a little bit envious of like the actual characters and their persona their characteristics and their physical appearance and i think that like you said that is a dangerous game because that's putting these physical appearance expectations yeah on men and women to look a certain way or not just men and women, but um, boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, changing gears a little bit, though, you know, of course, since this is a rom-com, it's uh, love between, you know, two people. So, um, I think we can talk about a little bit more of the dynamic between the two characters who end up falling in love within these type of movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, one thing um, that I think you can see in, you know, on our notes, we have a, few bulletin points underneath this because it's um you can get in depth with it quite easily um is the whole like we said the most unlikely two people fall in love um the main thing that that brings out is it's the whole love against all odds and the love prevails top thing that you see kind of universally through these movies mm-hmm. that one is i feel like is most definitely not as realistic it's possible but <laughs> yeah right between, absolutely well between two different kinds of people yeah it can happen you know as they say opposites attract but majority of the time in real life people go after someone you have a little bit more commonality with right especially and, in terms of interests and personality so it it you know they cut they should kind of show that in the in the films where yeah this is a real human experience you kind of go after someone that's a little bit more like you it in those stories where they show someone two people fall in love where they're not like each other and if they execute it properly that they show yeah even though you two may be kind of different this is human experiences can sh- can show you you can fall for the most unlikely person and or even if it's something platonic you can it, it can kind of show interactions with human beings is is dynamic and interesting and can do all kinds of certain things that you wouldn't expect but of course again you need to show something a little bit more realistic which is again uh you'd probably go towards someone that's a little bit more like you yeah Mm -hmm. right and i yeah i think you make a really good point caitlin because it is so funny because i watch these movies and i'm just like man if that guy did something like that i'd be like yeah, no, I'm not interested at all. You know, like, I'm not going to call you. It's really funny because I think the whole mysterious um, complex, like, mystery is peaked and the curiosity of, oh, this person is different. They're nothing like me, but for some reason, I'm still attracted to them. So, I mean, yeah, that sometimes works. I feel like um, as a woman, sometimes it it is kind of like, oh, well, maybe there's something different about this person. But the majority of the time, if you see something that's kind of a little bit off-putting, you, you know, you're not going to continue or you're not going to yeah. pursue the, a relationship with that person. And you're, usually the yeah. way they, they execute that is um, 
a, a normal one is the the bad the bad boy and the good girl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Greece. You know, mm-hmm. way back when <laughs> that right. was that was some that is something a still musical rom com. Yeah, I mean, it's something that's still. I think they're kind of changing it a little bit in the fact it's not the stereotypical bad boy with the black leather jacket, <laughs> but yeah. um, maybe the player or the guy mm-hmm. who, you know, you're like, oh, well, he's just going to hurt me. Yeah. And I'm saying this from a female perspective. I'm, you know, the script can be flipped sometimes, but I honestly don't see that a lot with movies. Um, a handful of movies have a male lead role um, in these rom-coms. And the majority of the time, I think, um, just by nature, they're kind of targeting the female audience in ways mm-hmm. with with this type of trope. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not as realistic to that a woman. If and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, if if a guy did kind of come off as a player, that would be a little bit more off putting. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not as realistic. And no. I mean, you know, if the girl, I mean, this ho- gets into the whole psyche and of a person, you know, if they're um not very self-confident that might you know something if there's just something you like about the bad boy image but mm-hmm. the majority of the time you know you're probably going to try to stay clear of that person at least romantically anyway and i wonder if how much of that could possibly be a male fantasy in the sense that the bad boy comes along and kind of introduces the good girl to this kind of different kind of lifestyle and the idea that you ch- you see her change from a good girl to maybe a bad girl because of the bad boy. I know. <laughs> yeah, I think not necessarily like it's not like a good girls go bad type thing. Yeah. It's more the girl seems to be very reserved in mm-hmm. um her personality and how she lives life. So what happens is the guy who, you know, sometimes can be a bad boy in the beginning of the film but then you know his true softer side sometimes gets exposed but the the girl the love interest she ends up you know because of him she's able to be more herself and be kind of like break out of her shell top thing Mm -hmm. and i think you know this is one thing that especially in today's society with you know trying to empower and um, give women a lot of independence is it's that whole um well a savior type thing you know like the guy is he's the one who like changes her for the better yeah and there are a few um you know exceptions to this trope uh i think especially now they're coming out more with um one example is the other woman which is this has been recent and I very like I'm on the edge of calling it a rom-com because it is a comedy and she does eventually the main character Cameron Diaz um she does eventually you know fall in love but why I say it's kind of flipping the script is her whole character is very independent um she gets done wrong but she's still you know pushing forward and it's not that whole like I have to have a self-realization type thing yeah I wonder if they could ever do a, because it'd be a good opportunity to change things up. Instead of the bad boy, there'd be a bad girl and a good guy. Because you know how they the saying is, uh, good guys never, good guys don't, uh, good guys finish last. So I wonder if uh, there would some, be something there 
in terms of showing women in a kind of uh like you said more independent uh kind of edgy edgy persona and the guy is a uh kind of more sensitive right because you do have people like that in real life it's not necessarily that straightforward of the woman is always the good girl or or nice and whatever and the guy's the aloof uh lone wolf kind of character kind of guy but you know you have a reverse of the sensitive guys and edgy girls so i just thought of an example though um uh forgetting sarah marshall uh mila kunis's character i think her name is rachel is uh is is kind of what i was talking about this kind of really yeah she's kind of like this upfront edgy kind of character and i kind of feel like it's kind of from some of the interviews i've watched i kind of feel like that's mila kunis's actual kind of personality she seems kind of edgy and indirect like that so right and that's that's definitely interesting to see someone like that mm. and so okay i I think you do sometimes kind of see that in the way that a um a girl is not necessarily edgy, but you know you do see an independence or or is perceived as independence from the outside world. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you later in the movie you see them battling with their own personal demons and their own self, you know, issues. But um, this is kind of personified in the guy is a good guy, kind of very mild mannered, and then he's pursuing this love interest who is involved with a guy who is opposite of him, who is either, you know, a deadbeat loser or just a jerk entirely. And it's sometimes you see that in a rivalry with them trying to like, you know, fight over the girl or either um, the girl at the end of the movie just ends up dumping the guy or the guy ends up dumping her and she runs into the arms of the guy she's supposed to be with the whole time and that yeah. bugs me so much because a lot of the ones i've seen is like what you were talking about the protagonist the, the is, if it's a male protagonist is going after a girl but she's already in a relationship with a jerk and it's usually a bully the, the bully that's uh, actually bullying the protagonist yeah and i'm yeah. like yeah, that's true it seems kind of unrealistic you go after a girl not not to say anything bad about her because it could be just as much as a if for a female protagonist and she's going after a guy who's dating a, he has a girlfriend that's kind of a jerk. It, it makes me wonder if if someone you're interested in is already dating someone with the kind of bad personality and just not all that well of a nice person. It's like, well, you, you seem to have a bad taste in people. So yeah, yeah. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it, honestly, to me, it it put it would put me off. It's like. Especially those those stories where the 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 boyfriend she's with is the bully of the protagonist. So it's like, yeah. Oh, uh, um, it's not a rom com, but I was just now thinking, um, Alien versus Predator Requiem shows an example of what I'm talking about. It was uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's definitely like totally not a rom com, but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it, it the idea was I think that the character name is Ricky has a crush on this girl named Jess. And she's already dating this. She's dating this guy that's a bully. It's like, honestly, guy, maybe you should just not pursue that. That's yeah. That seems kind of lame because and there were a couple of scenes where the bully actually shows up and beats on him, and the girl, the Jess, she just kind of she doesn't do anything. And it's like, yeah, I'm not attracted to someone if 
if his if her bo- if her boyfriend's beating on me, uh, and you're not really doing anything, it's like that's not that's not attractive. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, you're right. You know, you see that a lot, and it's just really funny because it is like, well, you know, how long are you gonna wait? Stake this out. How long are you gonna wait till like this? ends you know (laughs) for this bad relationship to end for you to like move in and make your move on the girl or on the guy and in a way it's a little bit realistic because I do know people personally who I'm just like I see them and then in the past I've just been like oh man that that's not gonna work out you know not that I have a romantic interest in that person but just from the outside looking in you're like wow this is not going to work out. You know, this is, uh, this person you're with is a jerk. They're, you know, yeah. it's not going to amount to anything. In that way, it is something that I think people can relate to because you see that. Mm-hmm. That's actually another trope in it. Um, usually the stories will go with, um, like we said, the protagonist is going after someone who's already in a relationship. And, and it may not be someone that's a jerk, but the whole idea of, Either the protagonist is in a relationship or the person they're pursuing is in a relationship and the idea that love, that they they have an attraction for each other and then at the end, they break up with their significant others because somehow it's okay that because they're in love. Yeah, it's, yeah, again, you're looking at this realistically and, you know, as humans, the way we sometimes handle things and you see this in a lot of movies is sometimes those emotions those raw emotions are held back mm-hmm. and just you know just for the sake of realism you know if you think somebody's a jerk like if your j- boss is a jerk you're not going to come out and be like oh you're a jerk you know because that wouldn't be practical you know <laughs> you want to c- kind of keep your job so um in that yeah. in this sense it's kind of like well how rational would it be for me to like just profess my undying love for a person when they're already in a relationship and they're not going to get out of it anytime soon or they're having issues of their own, you know? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And, um, yeah, you see that a lot. Most of the time the main character is, is, um, attracted or falling in love with someone who's already in an unhappy relationship, but it's still a relationship. They're in it. And, um, it's just really funny because, at the end of a lot of these scenes, what you see is they're running to the airport or they're running to the altar and saying, stop the wedding, stop the wedding, or don't get on the plane. Yeah. I love you. That is, that one definitely, that trope is definitely so unrealistic because that would be so awkward. Yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. the wedding scenario. There's no way you'd actually go up to the altar and say, hey, I love you. You could not get away with that. Yeah, no, exactly. And, um, an example because I'm a huge Friends fanatic All is right. so I feel like everybody's gonna be able to know what I'm talking about. But when Rachel goes and tries to stop the wedding with Ross and Emily in uh-huh. London, oh snap! <laughs> and he says the wrong name. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but before that, she's like, "Oh wow, I do love him, but because I truly love him and I see that he seems like he loves Emily." I'm not going to stop the wedding, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that brings up an interesting point. Like if you really, you know, the whole, if you love something, yeah. set it free type thing. Yeah, that would, that, that's, a, that's a trope. Uh, that was a, a pretty good subversion of that trope, I believe. Um, and it made it more believable, I think, that Rachel's an actual, you know, human being that has, you know, feelings, but then also intelligence. 
exactly. It's like, how rational would it be if I go all the way to London, which she does. So she's already halfway insane. Um, <laughs> she's but, always been halfway insane. Exactly. But like to say, hey, you know what? I love you. Um, don't marry this chick. Like that's probably not going to happen, you know? Yeah, it wouldn't. And it's kind of unrealistic to confuse Rachel with Emily. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that too. Maybe, con- but who knows? <laughs> they sound nothing alike. So that's that was that's weird. That's going, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Friends in general has a lot of those tropes. Um, we could honestly take one, ep- take a whole episode talking about that. Yeah. Because- oh man. <laughs> There's an idea. There's a, yeah. Next episode. <laughs> So, Kaylee, does that mean that you're telling the people to check out Friends? Oh, most definitely. It's Absolutely. I I love Friends. Um of course, there's for the fact that there are so many tropes that are unbelievable. It does get on my nerves, but the <laughs> fact sure. that I just love Friends kind of overrides that. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it, uh, it does a good job of taking those things and and making them you know, uh, 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 more palatable, I think, um, yeah. be- because of how funny and uh, um, realistic the characters are in a lot of ways. I'm surprised that we actually went this whole episode without talking about Friends, because it's <laughs> basically a a 10-season, 8-season-long rom-com. Right. Um, and I think it does a good job. Yeah, and the whole um, relatability, like with our first trope... Um in you know Chandler Bing's character, the whole self-deprecating person, yeah, who mm-hmm. has just who's just completely awkward, yeah. and weird, and ends up finding love, yeah. you know, with Monica. You can see all of the all of the whoa spoiler. Uh, no, oh, you, spoiler. <laughs> I'll put that spoiler in before you say it. Um, you, you can you can see all um a lot of the trips that we've talked about, especially in the characters within the 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 main six people. Um, it's really interesting. What's well, so level though when I watch? Yeah, Chandler is funny, but it's in, but it's kind of that self-deprecation. It's it's so on some level you, you kind of watch and be like, "Come on, man, get it together." Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just some relax. people are like that. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I personally, I'm a very awkward person, so I can relate to Chandler. I highly relate easily. to Chandler being. Yeah. If I was a friend's character, it's definitely Chandler, and I would be surprised if any quiz on Facebook is going to tell me otherwise. And you know, honestly, for me personally. I think that's an attractive quality to kind of be, you know, which you kind of see more, especially mm. in like these movies with these tropes is that quirky kind of awkward guy. You know, the girl tends going towards him rather than the suave, uh, smooth and sophisticated one. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're digressing. Kaylin, what do you want the people to check out this week? Uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Okay. Uh, I was watching it on Netflix. It's a pretty... It's a pretty funny uh, rom com. It's got um, two great actor actresses, uh, Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis. Big fans of those 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 guys. Uh, so yeah, check that out. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna tell y'all to check out Crazy Stupid Love because it is my favorite rom com. Um, it uh, actually does a pretty good job of of uh, showing a lot of these tropes. It subverts a lot. It lampshades a couple, um, and it's got a pretty crazy twist at the end that you'll never see coming. So um, go check that out. Um, another plug-in I want to put is that there's some free film screenings. The one is today. We actually posted about it on our Instagram page. It's um, 
tonight, and it is um, the wild and scenic. Um, oh, Rusty Sheridan is the one overhead overheading that. And let's see, it starts. It is today at six p.m. in the Culp, and then on April 9th, um, Voices from Chernobyl is in Ball Hall at seven p.m. Okay, and then April sixteenth. The 78.52 in Ball Hall at 7 p.m. That's another free film screening. It is um, kind of getting inspiration from the whole Alfred Hitchcock nice. um, type of very, it's um, very scary. It's supposed to be. Um, mm. It sounds really good. It sounds very interesting. So everybody go check that out. Actually, I think I might go to that one. Oh, what, what room number is that in? You said Ball Hall, but what's Yeah, the... it is in Ball Hall, um, room 127. 127. Um, just as a note for you all listening, uh, April 9th is the night that you will be hearing this. Um, so, so make your way over to Voices of Chernobyl as soon as you get done listening to this. Um, and I'm sure it'll create a very interesting, uh, juxtaposition of three people sitting in a room talking about rom-coms to whatever you can be expecting from voices of the Chernobyl, which sounds very different and, and very much more bleak <laughs> than what we've done here today. Um, <laughs> any other thoughts before we wrap this up about rom comedies or romedies as I sometimes like to call them? Um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, go watch a rom-com, uh, talking about this really makes me want to go watch one. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to say um, that the the trope um, um, love conquers all really works because I mean it, it exists because these movies don't show the relationship after that you know the characters get together and then that's usually the end of the movie right but there's, there's so <laughs> much more to a relationship than that, speaking from experience. Um, and, you know, um, that I mean, if, that, if that's what people want to see, then that's what people want to see. Um, you very rarely, except for in the case of Crazy Stupid Love, you very rarely get get, get to see the, the kind of uglier side of, of, of a relationship uh, in these movies. And so it's just something to keep in mind. Um about the uh, perhaps pretty unrealistic aspect of that particular trope. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and this is the more serious side. There's, like you say, Michael, there's so much more to being in a relationship and falling in love than just the stuff you see on TV and on movies, yeah. which, you know, that goes without saying, but for a lot of people, I feel like that's kind of inadvertently what we kind of base and what we see relationships um, in today's world off of. And, you know, just remember, it's a lot more hard work and it does pay off. And like you said, there are those ups and downs. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, one final thought is, to, um, as we were talking about, some of these films don't sh show romance in a realistic way, but um, I would suggest uh, we kind of look at the mistakes of some of these characters in, the, in these movies. And uh, yeah, if you have a crush on someone or 
in terms of relationship, like you said, it takes work and, you know, just get at it. You know, be a little... Be... Be... Yeah. Have a, you know, be subtle, but, you know, a little direct and... Just, There's nothing wrong with just, a little direct. Yeah, yeah, no ambiguity. Yeah. Makes it less complicated. Just, uh... Tell someone how you feel. Yeah, you don't you don't want complicated when it comes to things like this. Um, that just causes a lot of issues. Unless your name is Steve Carell or Ryan Gosling or Mila Kunis or <laughs> Justin Timberlake, and you'll be fine. I promise. All right, I believe that's it. Um, we will see you all next week. See ya later.